0: I was speaking to our brother Sam Wright, and Sam's back with the children's ministry and, uh, this weekend. And, and, and he said this, and it, it, there's a word that he used, a phrase that caught my attention. He said, he said you know, COVID, uh, we're talking about someone whose life is, has, has completely been turned upside down. And speaking of that, would you please keep our sister Cece in your prayers as well as she is back in North Carolina, and she's actually at the family burial plot, and they're burying her mother and her father. And and so, um, you know, speaking of lives that have absolutely turned upside down, um, and one of the things that Sam said was that, you know, one of the things that COVID has taught us is how we have to learn to be able to do things differently, uh, to, to, to do things differently than maybe a way that we've 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 ever done it before and for some of us it's like unfamiliar territory um i think it's a time for lots of self-evaluation it's a time for even the church to to think about what what really matters and what's important and 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 okay and why are we doing this again and and what what, does that really even matter, or is it just that we've always done it, and do we need to look at doing something different, and, and, and so for many of us, we're in this place, go ahead and show that picture, guys, we're in this place, and, and I saw this um, after Sam and I had spoke, it was a picture of an advertisement for a conference, and, and they were talking about, you know, doing church, and, and, and so I kind of took that, and, and their, their process, their, their, their context was, you know, you know, Uh, covid has happened and 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 we're we're in this place where we're moving out of it lord willing Uh, but but in the meantime you know there's this there's this convergence of things that are happening where we're thinking and 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 contemplating and meditating and and we find ourselves in unfamiliar territory and and so his his uh, uh, context was was how are we as the church going to function? You know, post COVID, and what things have we learned? And there are things about about life in Christ that don't change. Uh, now is the time for us to be to be busy with the things of God, serving, loving, uh, 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 reaching out to other people. Now is now is the time for that, and we'll talk about that more a, a little bit later. Um, uh, lots of things. To, to stop and think about and to say, wait a second, you know, what's really important in my life? And, and in these times, it's not so much, the question isn't so much why, but it's what? And, and, and really, what am I going to do in the meantime? Like, like, this is where we've been, and, and this is where we hope to be, but here's where we are right now. And have you ever had anyone say, okay, 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 I get all that, but what are you doing now? Like like right now, what are you going to do? Because you're not there yet, and you're moving and transitioning out of this, but what are you going to do right now? And, and that's the message this morning. What about in the meantime? If you remember last week, it was a, it was a, a crooked Levite who w- was traveling back to his home, and they, they stopped in Gibeah of the Benjamites, and And he goes into, he finds uh, one of his brothers who opens his door in a show of hospitality with us uh, 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 for him. And his, uh, as they're there, you know, enjoying hospitality, eating and drinking or whatever, they're, they're vile men who are banging at the door, demanding, much like in Sodom and Gomorrah, demanding that they release that man to them so that they might sexually abuse him all night. That's what it says. You can check it out in Judges chapter 19. And, and, and the man who, who brought them into his home offers, offers his daughter and the concubine. And the man who is traveling in an effort to save his own skin, he offers his concubine up uh, that he supposedly cared so much about, which he cares nothing about her. And, and she's ravished all night long and dies as a result of what happened to her. And so this this man dismembers her and sends her body parts throughout the other tribes in an effort to create shock value that the men of Israel will do something about this. Okay? The atheist philosopher Nietzsche said, if God is dead... Then anything is permitted. We've been reading one of the contexts of this book, in that says that there was no God, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes, in their own minds. If God is dead, there are no moral restraints, everyone can do whatever is right in their own eyes. You decide your own morality or lack thereof. Then you recruit a guerrilla team because it's always majority rules in these places. This kind of society will ultimately be ruled by those with the biggest guns who establish and enforce what the rules will be. And though everybody talks about living in a place where there are no rules or or there's no moral boundaries, nobody really wants to live there because that will affect them. And eventually what will happen is someone will tell them what the rules are. And if you don't like it because we have no values, we'll just eliminate you. There are plenty of examples in history I'm most familiar with Nazi Germany since my grandfather was a Nazi. And I know nothing about his life as a soldier other than he survived World War II because we never had a conversation about it. We are in Judges chapter 20, verse 1, so this is, that story is leading into this. It says, So all the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, from the north to the south, as well as from the land of Gilead. And the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mitzvah. And the leaders of all the people, all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone to mitzvah again it was the tribe of Benjamin that these men created did this harmful thing to this to this woman. So they had heard that the children had gathered. they gathered together as one man before the Lord in mitzvah. And it's the first time in Judges that we read about the people being so united. um, And and it sounds pretty good. Up to this point, there's been tribal fighting. They've been killing one another. But now they're assembled, the Amplified Bible says, as, as one man. And you know what? There's great power in unity. They're gathered together, however, not to fight the enemy, but to fight their own, the tribe of Benjamin. They've got 400,000 foot soldiers. That is a substantial army and they're all loaded with swords. They asked this question, how did this wicked thing happen? Verse 4 says, so the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, my concubine and I went to Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin, to spend the night. And the men of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house at night because of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they ravished my concubine, so she died. And if you were with us last week or you're familiar with the story, you know that he's leaving out an important aspect of the story. And that is is that, yes, they surrounded the house and they wanted him, but he's the one that threw her out. Well, he neglects to mention that. Much like in the time of Jesus when there was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery and they throw her to Jesus and ask what they should do. But the, didn't, they neglected to bring the man because as far as I know, if you're going to commit adultery, there's probably someone else involved. He slipped out the back door, who knows what. Yeah, You, you understand, it was a trap. Verse 6 says, So I took hold of the concubine. I'm sorry for the grotesqueness of this, but it is what it is. Cut her in pieces and sent her throughout all the territory of the inheritance of Israel because they committed lewdness and outrage in Israel. They committed lewdness. They, those guys did. Look, all of you, are children of Israel, give your advice and counsel here and now. Verse 8, so the people arose as one man, saying, None of us will go to his tent, nor any turn back to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot. We're about to break into civil war. So Israel tries a peaceful negotiation with the Benjamites. And they're 400,000 strong. And they say, give up the men who, do th- who did this. And the Benjam- Benjamites won't do it. Verse 14 says, instead they gathered together from the cities of Gibeah to go to battle against Israel. Here's what they did. They put loyalty to their tribe before obedience to the law of God. They put loyalty to their tribe before obedience to the law of God. Let me give you a contemporary example because we can make the same the same mistake when we put loyalty to Fill in the blank above loyalty to God. Oh, we might put loyalty to our culture. We might put loyalty to our ethnic group. We might put loyalty to our political party. We might put loyalty to you fill in the blank. And we put that ahead of loyalty to God or even before unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Always remember that we are citizens of the kingdom of God first. And last and forever and foremost, before my culture, before my ethnicity, before any other tagline that I have, I'm a child of God before anything else. I'm a member of the kingdom of God. And yes, one day there will be ethnicity in heaven. I think it's a beautiful thing when we see tribes and tongues and languages and kindred all surrounded around the throne. So God brings culture because that's how God rolls. He likes that. That's his creation design but my citizenship though it says United States of America and I'm 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 happy to be that but guess what I don't make a god out of my citizenship I don't make a god out of being an American because my citizenship is first and foremost in heaven and if you are a true believer in Jesus you are my brother you are my sister more so than my ethnic brothers and sisters can you say amen to that Don't mean to lead you into that, but sometimes I got to catch a breath, so that's the best way to do it. It's true. Always remember that. Ephesians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15 says, And from their cities... At that time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword. Beside, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who numbered 700 select men, among all his people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. Okay. In their army of 26,700, did we mention that Israel has 400,000? So it's 400,000 versus 27,600. And you math people are already doing the calculations. Don't, don't bother. I've done it for you. Okay? They have 700 lefties who could sling a stone at a hair and hit it. Okay. Ancient warfare, the slingers, right? They could take a stone and project it at 90 miles an hour. So if you combine a a stone at 90 miles an hour with speed and accuracy, you have a deadly special forces team. I was talking to some of the guys earlier because I said, they're like, they're like snipers. Like, right? Like, like by the time you hear it, It's too late, and someone who has some experience in combat—I won't mention their name—said at last service. They, oh, he's not here. They said, they said, no, you don't hear anything. You just anyway. (laughs) I said, oh, scared of you, man. They're deadly. There's an interesting word here for miss. And the word for miss, they could sling a stone and not miss, is sin. It's a good illustration that sin is to miss the mark. And this is what people, I, what I try to explain to people, is that we have all sinned and missed the mark. It doesn't matter if you've missed the mark by, by a half inch or by a yard, or by a Grand Canyon. We've all missed the mark. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So because we've missed the mark, But we've come into relationship with Jesus. We are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes in Christ. Isn't it better to let this thing lie for the sake of the nation? I mean, think about it. It's tragic that a woman died because every life is valuable. It's tragic. But do you go to civil war? where thousands will die because of one sinful act? Wouldn't it be better just to unite with the Benjamites? No. No, it would not. The Bible says these three three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Sometimes, in the name of love, you have to withdraw from unity. Sometimes, for greater good, you must break the unity. Because the greatest good is not unity. Unity, apart from justice and truth, is a unity that's not worth having. So it's not unity at all costs. There are those who some claim to be followers of Jesus, we are not in unity with. They have a different Bible. They have a different book, I should say. They have, and a different Bible too. They have a different belief system. They add the qualifications for salvation. They subtract from the Trinity. They divide the body of Christ, and they multiply heartache and headache. We're not in unity with them. In this particular case, they cannot be united in this. Verse 18, Then the children of Israel arose and went to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, Which of us shall go up first should go up first to battle against the children of benjamin and the lord said judah first wait a minute hold on there's a couple timeouts we need to take here they're seeking god for wisdom this is impressive like this is this may be the first time in the book we've seen the nation seeking god they've they've been hearing from judges and judges have been leading him now nationally they're going to god they're seeking him and they ask they ask who should go first uh, that's a good question, right? Maybe a better question is, should we go? Not who's to go first. Because they're slightly different. Now, have you ever made plans and then asked God to bless them? Now, first service was all kinds of amen and then people pointing at each other and elbowing. And I wouldn't expect it with a crowd of people like you. I wouldn't expect anyone to do that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We'll do this and let's do that. And then God bless it. And God's like, oh, okay. That's not how it works. <laughs> um, so God tells them send Judah first. And the men of Israel, verse 20, went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against, fight against them at Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah. And on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. 22,000? You've got 400,000 men? You go up against a much, much smaller army and you lose uh, 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 How many? 22,000 that die in battle? Wait a minute, back up, time out, just a real quick time out. Didn't God say to send Judah first? They inquired of the Lord and the Lord said, send Judah. Okay, listen, we can read the historical context of what happened, but we don't know the motives behind why or what. And there are other parts that are left out. God does. God's up to something. He's up to something bigger than just giving Israel the victory over the Benjamites. And I have to remind myself that I'm dealing with limited intel. I don't know all the answers. I don't know what the future holds. I think I know, but God reminds me all the time. Here's what I know. Nothing. Nothing. And sometimes when I get myself in a situation where I have an expectation of what I thought God was going to do or something that I thought He was leading me to do and it doesn't quite work out. I have to remind myself that God knows things that I don't know. And God sometimes is up to things that are greater than my limited understanding and it happens all the time. So I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for you. He's up to something greater than what we think and God's going to do what brings him glory to himself and accomplishes his purposes. And I don't always know what that is. But I do know this. What Israel does next will tell us a lot about their motives. How will they respond when they follow God and it doesn't work out the way they expect it to. That will tell us a lot. Abraham Lincoln in his second inaugural address, spoke of this theme regarding the Civil War. He said this, 1865, Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet if God wills, then it continue until all the wealth piled by the bondsman's 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk. And upon every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword. As was said 3,000 years ago, so it must be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteousness altogether. What's he saying? He's saying is that we pray that the civil war ends speedily and quickly. But if, but if God's judging our nation for all of the sin of slavery, for the money that's been made, for the lashes that have been given, if God's judging us for this and God's causing us to go into this civil war over it, then we've got to remember, regardless of the outcome, that the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And they are. Maybe, in the case of Israel, God is... Judging his people for their idolatry. It says in verse 22, how do they respond? The people, that is, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother, Benjamin. And the Lord said, go up against him. So the response is reasonable. And they go back to the Lord. Like maybe they got something wrong the first time. So they go back and he says, go up against them. It says in verse 24, so the children of Israel approach the children of Benjamin on the second day. And Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. Wait, okay, wait wait a minute. I don't know. Hold on. Time out. Stop. They sought the Lord. You know, they're fighting for justice. And in these things, I think God is saying, this is not going to be an easy battle, guys. Because when there's always a great cost to pay for doing what is right, always, you stand up for righteousness and holiness and the things of God, you will be persecuted, there will be a price to pay. We were talking about about your daughter-in-law in in Ecuador just last night and how she she took a stand that is anti-abortion and as a result was basically forced to resign because she said, I cannot do this. And she was ostracized and forced to resign from her position, a very high position, legal position. There is always a cost to pay for doing what is right. Always. You know, I said to them, I said, you know what? She took a stand for the unborn. Oh, watch what God does. Oh, God's going to do exceedingly, abundantly above and beyond what she could even ask or think. And we don't do it for that. We do it for the glory of God. But watch what God, you take a stand for the little ones, man, you can't help but be blessed for that. Now, I don't want a praying formula here. I'm just saying, that's the heart of God. Not to mention the fact that she gets to sleep at night peacefully, which you can't buy. They're defeated again. (laughs) they're all for 2. I wonder if anyone in the 400,000, actually minus a few there, I wonder if anyone's going, hey, 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 this ain't working, man, okay? What are we going to learn? Let's not keep doing this. Like, this is obviously, we think we're hearing from God. Something's wrong here. No. Why did God allow this? I don't know. Maybe he's trying to humble them. Maybe he's trying to help them to understand that the problem isn't a few guys and the tribe of Benjamin, that the problem is national. That it's much bigger than just them bringing justice over the situation when God wants justice in his land and he wants righteousness to reign and he wants his people to live and follow him, live for and follow him. Maybe that's the issue. Or maybe they're just not at that place yet. Because here's what I I believe. Sometimes the Lord allows us to suffer loss or lose to get our attention and draw us close to Him. Oh, sometimes the Lord puts us in that mean time. This is what we've had, what we're used to, and this is what we hope. But here's where we are, and God's the whole time, during the whole process, saying, Draw near to me. You've left your first love. Come back to me. This is, this is, and it's not come to me and everything will be solved. But the issue is you've walked away from me and you're not walking with me. Maybe, maybe the Lord has allowed this loss to happen because victory doesn't come from the promotion, just like prom- not from the, from the East or the West or the South, but it comes from the Lord. And if you win a battle, it's because the Lord gives you the victory. doesn't matter if you have 400,000 foot soldiers if the Lord hasn't given you the victory. No matter how you draw it up or strategize or plot it. Maybe he wants their hearts. Something much bigger. They want a victory. They want justice. God wants their hearts. So he allows them to be defeated. Verse 26 says, Then all the children of Israel, that is, all the people, went up and came to the house of God. And they wept. Woo! Yeah. Okay. Okay. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day. Until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. This is serious business. They really mean it this time. No, Lord, I really mean it this time. And you know what? Repentance is usually followed by action somehow. And they're offering things. And they're inquiring of the Lord. Verse 28 says, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days. By the way, historically, that tells us that the, the time context of this is much earlier in the book of Judges. This is the appendix at the end of Judges to show how bad things were. It's not chronological. But look at what they asked the Lord this time. Listen to this. Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin or shall I cease? After the second defeat, they put their repentance into action because repentance should move me. Look what they did. They went to the house of the Lord and they wept. It was sincerity. Not saying it wasn't the other two times. I don't know. But they fasted all day till evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. I de- Listen, when you fast, that sort of means you're serious. Now, I know you can take fasting and make it into a religious exercise. There are religions that do it all the time, it's just a religious exercise. With all due respect to our Muslim friends, the greatest amount of food is purchased during Ramadan. It's a fact. When they are fasting between sunup and sundown, but they're eating early and late. (laughs) No, I'm not trying to laugh at, at that. I'm just saying, we can take fasting and make it a religious observance. Adam clark in 1827 wrote about fasting and said at present it is but little used a strong proof that self-denial is wearing out of fashion may we be a church that live a fasted lifestyle i want to remind you that the first wednesday of every month we as a church fast and pray and I'm strongly considering this next coming Wednesday, first Wednesday of the month, we fast and pray and we meet. And let's just call it. When's the, what's next Wednesday? Is it still August? Is it September? This Wednesday, 6 o'clock, 630, we will meet here for whoever wants to come and we and, and I encourage you to fast all day. Fasting is going without food. Uh, again, if you've got a medical issue where you can't, that's between you and the Lord. We're going to meet here and we're going f- to pray. I think it's an appropriate response to this. They hadn't come to the Lord like this before. Let me say this to you. I think this is critical. Please get this. Now, now, whatever happens next doesn't matter. Do you get that? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they go fight or if they don't because they've accomplished something much bigger than victory on the battlefield They've conquered their own flesh and their own selfish desires and they've humbled themselves before mighty God. And he says, if you humble yourself before me, I will lift you up. So, it doesn't matter. That's why they say, Tell us if we should even go to war, God. Well, oh, they've come to an amazing place. They've come to a place of brokenness. And sometimes, God, I believe God loves it when we come to that place where we're humble and contrite. And and we were holding on so tightly to this and oh, this mine, mine, mine. The Lord says, No, it's not. And He peels our, our fingers open and we go, Oh, God, no, it's mine, oh, mine, mine. And He, he oh, uh, eh, and, and we go, We go, okay, God, okay. And when we do that, we position ourselves with the Lord to move in our life. And I don't mean mean you get what you want. I just mean that that that's the place we need to be with everything. Yeah, are you in a relationship with someone? Let me ask you a question. Is it like this? (laughs) Or is it like this? Oh, be like this. That's where they came to. That's a win, guys. What's your plan for battle, man? Are you going back against the Benjamites? We don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Who's in charge? What kind of generals do you have? You know what? Check it out, bro. We're on our faces before God. And we're fasting and praying. And whatever God has is what we'll do. And we're done trying to figure this thing out. We've lost too many lives trying to do it on our own. And we're Americans. We want to see action. You know what? God wants to see our hearts broken. Then the action will follow. That's why we need to be before we do.
1: <laughs>
0: Woo! Thank you for that spontaneous applause. Whatever happens next is a win. And then you know what happens? I don't know if you like to write in your Bible. You may not or highlight. You, you, know, you, can, you can highlight your screen on your smartphone, not with a literal highlighter, but you can highlight this. I love this. I love this, I love this, I love it. Verse 28, it says, And the Lord said, Get up. <laughs> Notice that? I don't want to read too much into it, but there's a, there's, a, there's a getting. You've gotten up on your own. Now God says, get up. Get up for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hands. Whew. Okay, Lord, if that's what you want. And they set an ambush. Much like the war against Ai in Joshua, they, they draw out the Benjamites from Gibeah and the guys start running, and they even lose some men. And then there's another group, because they have f- less than 400,000, but they, have, they, they go around the backside, and they set Gibeah on fire. And so the Benjamites are chasing them with their swords. Ah! And someone says, hey, man, you smell smoke? Yeah, I smell smoke. What, what's burning? And they turn around, and they see their city on fire, and they know that they have been uh, ambushed. They're heartbroken because they know they've lost. And on that day, they lose 25,000 men. Twenty-five. This is a tribe of Israel. This is one of the 12 tribes. They're about to be extinguished. They started with 26,700 and 25,000 die. Verse 47, we're almost done, hang on. But 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimon, and they stayed at the rock of Rimon for four months. Rimon, for four months. We're going to see the grace of God in that next week. When God's people refuse to obey God's word, the results are always tragic. The spiritual life of the church is crippled and eventually destroyed when the congregation shuts its eyes to sin and will not discipline offenders, Warren Wiersbe said. See, there's a New Testament commandment to do that. There's a principle to do that. I think that sometimes the church tolerates certain sins while being bold to call out others. A point in case is that a, a, a homosexual couple could walk in the door and, and, and would they be loved? Would they be judged? Listen, I didn't say they were part of our church. I said they walk in the door. Well, in the meantime, there's a, there's a heterosexual couple in our church that live together and that's never even mentioned because that's okay. As opposed to saying it's not okay. And we don't do much of that because of the misuse of it that has happened in the past to a degree that's been very hurtful to people. But there's an admonition to share the truth in love. I will leave that at that for now. Are you in the meantime? Are you in that place? What are you going to do, man? You can't just stay right there. I believe the children of Israel in this chapter would disagree with you because they were at the appropriate place. They were waiting on God. And there was a time to sit and humble themselves, and then there was a time to get up and go. If you're in that place, let me give you a, something that I think would work that we've just read if you're in the meantime, you're in between prayer or answer. You're in between, wait. you're waiting on the Lord for something. You're seeking direction. It's a good model to follow. They went to the house of the Lord. Number one, they went to the house of the Lord. Yay. I hear people say, well, you know, I haven't been in church in a while. Man, you're going through hell and you haven't been around other believers. Why not? Well, I don't know. What is this about us that when we really need the church the most, we run from the church? Why do we do that? I don't know. Maybe it's pride. Like we don't want anyone knowing our business. I have to let people know my business because I'm subject to be a knucklehead. I don't know about you. That's just me. They went to the house of the Lord. They got together. They fellowshiped. They had intimate relationships. That's why we value small groups, life groups so much. If you're not a part of a life group, why not? Why are you not involved and connected with the life of the church? Why wouldn't you do that? And I'm not not trying to be harsh. I'm just saying it's a vital part of why Jesus died and rose from the dead so we'd be right with God first and foremost and so we would bind together with one another. They went to the house of the Lord and they wept. They fasted all day till evening and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. I'll share this scripture with you out of Hebrews chapter 13. It says, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continuously offer to God a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that praise his name. And verse 16 says, and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased are you in between are are you in the meantime hey listen offer up sacrifices of praise to God even if you don't feel like it and then serve somebody else because you know what church now is the time now is the time to press into God. Now is the time to, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. To tell other people the good news. Now is the time to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Now is the time to visit that neighbor. To go over to, 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 to mow their lawn. To do some random act of kindness that the Holy Spirit leads you to Now is the time to reach people who are desperately looking for answers. Who are stuck in the meantime and maybe they've had covert or they've lost loved ones and now they're like here and they don't know what's next but you can go to them and give them the only hope that that anyone needs to hear, the only hope, the true hope of Jesus Christ. You have that message. This is our time, church. And this is not a rah-rah rally speech. Don't get it twisted. I'm a coach at heart. I could do that, and that's not what this is. This is our time. Get up. Get up and go and weep with those who weep. And serve the least of these, my brethren Jesus said, with no expectation of anything back. Let me read to you, I got a, um, I thought I got something from Pastor Richard. He's, what's up with him? He knows the time change. He probably thinks I'm done from service. Not quite. Did you get this too? Anyway, I'll I'll, I'll share it with it. I'm sorry. I have my phone on because I wanted to have that scripture reference, but he's the only one that I would, I would answer. But I have a song that I'd like to play for you guys that um, just, you know, sit in this song, enjoy it, uh, sing it, um, humble yourself before the Lord. Uh, We have communion elements here. We like to serve communion as a response to, to the message and to just say, God, just want to renew my covenant with you. Um, uh, I, I want to remember and enjoy and look forward to you coming again. And so, um, listen to this, and and we'll close it out at the end.
1: Sun cannot compare to the glory of your life. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne. Before the Holy One of heaven. It's So oh.
0: Amen. Would you go and be broken bread and poured out wine um, this week? Would you pour out and love and worship? In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.